You are listening to Future Net Zero, a platform to help businesses and the wider community improve our lives and our planet by achieving net zero. Welcome to this Future Net Zero podcast. Today we're talking about, well, the living, breathing entity that keeps our planet going. Yes, water. Without water, we would be nowhere. It runs our weather systems. It gives us uh, life itself. It's vital for all our crops. It's vital in our industry. So what are we doing about water? Because we've had a lot of talk as the price cap number was revealed recently, and we've got October coming up. We've had a lot of talk about energy and what's going on. But water is just as intrinsic part of the issue for businesses. And particularly, we've had a summer, which is extraordinary, but could it soon become ordinary so that we end up with more dry, very dry summers where parts of the country have been in drought? Well, today we're going to look through a lot of that stuff and we're going to look at the importance of the carbon emissions around water. We're going to do that with Barry McGovernie, who is the Innovation and Technology Manager at Water Plus. Barry, hello. Hello, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Barry, can you tell us, for those who are listening who don't know much about Water Plus, uh, the background of the company, sort of what sort of market share you have, where you're based, that sort of thing? Currently, Water Plus are supplying over 737,000 SPIDs in the UK. And SPIDs, I mean, supply point IDs, that's the points of supply that we've got for each individual customer. Uh, our customer base, it varies from large multi-site retailers to kind of smaller uh, shops and some some really big industrial users as well so it's a really mixed bag we have across the UK. And in terms of regionality I mean you know you, you you're sort of pretty much over most of the UK aren't you? Yeah, it was Scotland and England, top to bottom, pretty much. We supply everyone up up in the UK. Uh, we, are, we are based in Stoke. We've got a small satellite office up in Glasgow as well for uh, a handful of Scottish people to work from as well. But yeah, UK-wide company. And I suppose that's the final point really about this is that people kind of forget that you can change water companies. Well, yeah, you know, same as your mobile phone, your energy company, you know, businesses are and should look at their water supplies, you know, and make sure they're working with a water retailer that not just gives them a, an accurate bill, but can support them in their other environmental kind of goals and ambitions as well, such as carbon reduction and the carbon related to water as well. You know, where we are now, we're looking at, you know, a, a massive shift, right? We all know in terms of, of price of energy. Now, energy is intrinsic in water, people probably don't really think that much about it, but you need electricity for the pumps. I'm sure you guys have an infrastructure when you're you know, working with water wholesalers, they're bringing that water out. You are retailers yourself, you're dealing with customers. Just paint a picture of where you see the water industry first before we start talking about sort of emissions. Everyone's got to do their, their piece around us and, and make sure we've been as efficient with water as possible. So. The point you said there around the kind of energy in water. So people don't realise the kind of actual energy impact. The water industry itself is, is hugely energy intensive, you know, as you rightly said there. So you need the energy to, to pump, to treat, to send the water to different parts of the country. You know, so the kind of emissions figures around that, you know, for, for every cubic metre of water supplied that comes out the tap, there's 
0.149 kilograms of CO2 per cubic meter. So that's for supply water, and that is just for the wholesale element of carbon. So that's your, your scope-free element of carbon. And then the wastewater element is even more than that. So take away the dirty water away from your, your premises at 0.272 kilograms of CO2 per cubic meter of water taken away. And that's because to treat water that's got effluent and pollution in it before it gets discharged, it's a really energy intensive process, you know, aeration and pumping again as well. So that's why it's a little bit more there. So that's a lot of people don't really consider the energy impact of water, you know, it's you turn the tap on, water comes out and you take it for granted. And that's one thing I, I believe yeah, yeah, in the do. country is we, we take it for granted. Scotland, where I am, it's a slightly different story. You know, it's it, it rains, you know, it's, it's actually surprising when we see the sun come out. It's like, what do we do? <laughs> you know, it's... Barry, uh, Barry, I've been to Scotland countless times. I think I've seen the sun twice, mate. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, as I've been here for 40 years, you know, and I think I'm about the same, you know. And that's the thing, isn't it? We, we've got an imbalance in this country because it does rain a lot. We all know that. And we've had a great summer, but, you know, we've seen parts, particularly of the south, very dry. And yet it's been fine in vast swathes of Scotland, as you say, and Wales. And there's talk of a possible grid for water, but that, that's a long, long, long way away. At present, when you see it, we are very complacent about water use as, as individuals and as businesses. I personally have changed my water use a lot. What, do you think, you know, the way that energy has been seen, you know, LED lighting, let's cut our power use, let's make sure we're doing flexibility. Businesses have not really looked at water because, like you say, you turn the tap on and it's there. Maybe the ones who do look at it are the people who are using it for industrial use. You know, I think certainly the industrial users maybe have more of a security of supply element around it rather than an efficiency element as well. You know, my, my, so my background, I, I was actually an energy manager before I became a water manager. So I have a kind of a really good viewpoint as to where the energy industry was going when I was part of that and energy efficiency. So I got involved in, in water over a decade ago now, but at that time it was the unknown utility pretty much is what we used to kind of used to kind of say because people would be focused on doing renewables trying to get stuff that's kind of visually there and and, and kind of you can talk about whereas water was always forgotten about you know that for you know you'd go in you do a site audit and it'd be like how long has that tap been dripping for that's uh, you know the same old story it's always it's always dripped you know <laughs> it's like you know, maybe fix it, you know, and it's, yeah, it's, yeah. And, and now what we're seeing now is a lot of people have, they've exhausted quite a lot of their capital and resources in doing LED replacements, looking at EV opportunities for, for, for cars and electrifying fleets to decarbonize in their gas elements for water heating and space heating. So a lot of people now are saying, right, okay, in terms of net zero, scope one, scope two, we're quite, we've got a really good roadmap. We're working quite hard to achieve that. We know where we are. Okay, scope three, right? What's in scope three? Right, water, right? We've not, we've not actually considered water, have we? You know, and it's a lot of people are kind of like, right, okay, let's, let's look at this now, you know? And that is something that I'm finding that many people are kind of switching on to now. What we're not realizing as well is by looking at water and by looking at water efficiency, it can actually lower your scope one and scope two impacts as well. 
how are you, how are you heating your water? Is it, is it gas? Is it electricity? Can you switch to electricity? Then can you use a, a kind of green energy supply in order to feed that electricity requirement as well? Ultimately, what we always try and say to people is lower consumption. You know, just try and lower your consumption. As a yeah, but but that's not as easy as it's. I mean, like you say, you just kind of use it don't you you don't really think about it the same way as you know we've been cultured to turn our computers off or turn the light you know stick in those little sensors that turn the lights off you're right the dripping tap i'm just going to wash up or i'm going to do something or whatever and just let the the tap run well that's that's it and it's not until it's the same as anything you know you don't know what you've got until it's gone and then one day when there's not water any no water coming out of that tap you're like oh you know, how do I do this and how do I do that? So it's what some people might be like, okay, well, you know, I'm washing the car, I'm using fresh potable water to wash my car. Can I be using a, a, a rain vat or a rain harvester to, to wash a car? Quite a lot of commercial car washes are using rainwater that's treated and filtered to, to wash your car. A lot of laundries are using grey water recycling. So I think people start to get a little bit smarter of how they're using it. And it's, it's one of the kind of first audit points is, is the requirement here for fresh potable water or is there a possibility to use recycled water from a different process? So we've worked with, we've worked with many customers, you know, customers with cooling towers, you know, and we're, we've got condensate coming off those cooling towers that ultimately goes down the drain. It's like, right, okay, can we use that condensate to feed bathroom requirements? You know, can we be flushing urinals and toilets with that water? And then ultimately what you need to be asking yourself is, okay, so now we're using recycled water to flush for urinals and toilets. How much can we reduce the flushing requirements of the toilets and the urinals? You know, so it's, it's part of that kind of cycle of audit review. It becomes into the kind of almost ISO plan check do kind of element, you know, it's just become cyclical in your approach to things. This is, it is a really interesting space to be part of just now. And I see more and more people switching on to how we do the kind of efficiency side of it and the kind of realization side of it. But the other part as well that's really interesting is the security of supply because that without it, you know, some businesses literally can't operate. You know, there's a lot of industrial users without water, without secure supply. You know, we can't we can't run their, their cooling towers, they can't run their processing plants, you know. So it becomes becomes really interesting to see that piece as well. If we just break down the emissions side of things, which is really yep. what this conversation is about, there's the emissions in the water, right? Which are, which are in the process of making the water, okay? Yeah. Which we don't have control of. That, that that is the wholesalers, and you don't really have control of. But you know, that's the scope three side of things. But the elements of scope one and two, where where would they be in terms of how a business can think about it? We think about kind of what we're doing in terms of our energy quite. I think most people sort of get one and two. Where would one and two be in terms of water? How would you say to someone, right, think about water this way, this much emissions in kind of what you're using, this much emissions in what you're 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 not using or leaking or whatever it is. How how would you how would you explain it to someone? Yeah, so you know, the, as I said before, the, the supply water alone is 0.149 kilograms of CO2 per supply water. And that's that's just water delivered to your tap. Once you start to put that water through 
a heating element, and it depends whether it's gas or electricity, and that would depend on, on what the kilowatt value and more carbon you're adding into it. So we actually, we've done a diagram, I believe it's uh, on, on LinkedIn and a, a few sources around the, the kind of carbon cycle of water in terms of the retail user. And it shows the water being delivered to then that water coming into your building how you're using that, so how you're heating the water, how you're pumping it around, because some users will pump water to a tank and then they'll use a boosted system, which is using electricity to then boost that around uh, around your site. So I think it's really important, you know, it's, it's again almost kind of stepping back a little bit. It's really important for people when they're doing energy audits to include water in that audit to understand what energy impacts and what the energy flow is they're adding to water. You know, so if they have to use water for, for a car wash, for example, what, what, what do they need to do with that water? So we need to get it to their storage or, or mains powered. We need to then, they might put it through a small heating element for during winter. They might put it through a high pressure hose. Again, it's energy, 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 and you're adding that into water. What you can do, you know, you can use more efficient equipment, you can make sure pipes and everything are insulated so you're not having to put as much heat energy in. And then you can make sure that you're using the most efficient pressure washers. Ultimately as well, you can look at how you reduce that. Can you use different sprays? Can you reduce the flow of that, that, that water usage as well? So that's something to consider there. When you look at things like the catering industry, right? Yep. They use water for everything, from the preparation of food, the washing of food, the cooking of food, and then the dishwashers go in. Give me an example of what, how you would be able to help a big restaurant or even just a small family-run place to say, look, think about your water. Because what you just said is very interesting. You don't really think that, actually, I've got the water, I've boiled it. There's an energy now that I've added to the carbon of the water I had. in Because we always kind of think water's all clean. And, it's just well, that's the yeah. thing there is. <laughs> That's but, it. So I mean, the food industry is huge, isn't it? Same as retail. Massive, massive. Yeah. So many moons ago, I actually started off life as a as a chef. I was a chef at one point when I in my Barry, my you, you've got every every skill going, mate. Well, well that's it, you know. So I've got that kind of perspective as well. I can I, can I can, you do the you funny know. thing with a knife. I've tried to do that with a guard to chop them really fast. Oh yeah, you can do that. You know, my, 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 some of my fingers are a bit odd shaped from from over the years, right <laughs> enough. But you know, but but the, the energy industry and the water impact of in the catering industry is really interesting. So it's huge, one, isn't it? Yeah, massive. So one of the places I actually worked as well. So I actually worked in a cake factory as well as an environmental person. So I, I kind of took my catering experience and I was watching how everyone was was working in that factory and. And what they were doing, they were they were basically getting a, a hose and washing down. They were just washing. It was actually caramel. They were washing it down and straight into a drain. And I thought to myself, I was like, right, what, what are you doing? You know, because there's a couple of impacts there. So first of all, you're wasting water. You're using hot water to melt caramel. That caramel is going down the drain. So, so if you think about that, you've got the wasted energy, the wasted water, and then you're putting more pollution down the drain. What's going to happen to that caramel is the sugars and everything, once they kind of cool down and come out of suspension, they're going to solidify. So therefore, you then get drainage blockages as well. So one thing that I would I'd kind of recommend at that point, and I would still recommend is to consider, it's called cleaning place, you know, so what we should be doing is dry cleaning all that equipment. So all that caramel, 
they can be dry cleaning that. And if it's if it's got no animal products in it, you know, ultimately you can send that away for a feedstock. You know, we used to, a place I worked, we actually sent it away for pig feed at the time, you know, and it actually became a revenue source. So by cleaning better and smarter, you know, you're lowering the energy, lowering the water, lowering the pollution yeah. and creating a potential revenue stream from that as well. So that was something, again, a lot of the people in that factory, you know, we've always done it that way. You know, it's like, right, okay, you know, I appreciate that. But, but you, you know yourself, people don't like change. And if people have always done it that way. So we need a cultural change about how we see water in terms of this. Well, well, we do. We need to consider, you know, the thing, it com- the, you know, the water that comes out the tap doesn't come free in terms of its environmental impact. And certainly the yeah. your drain should never be seen as a, a potential waste opportunity, you know. Everything you're putting down that, that drain, you know, it goes somewhere. And you know, and what that can do, that can drastically affect the, the energy impact of how we're how we're doing it. That can affect the, the drainage systems around. It can create flooding yeah, and everything. Lots as well. of emissions. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think there is a cultural change. And I have seen it, you know, for some day the I was reasonably late to the kind of energy party, if you like. I started becoming an energy manager when it was already quite an established industry but I felt as if I'd managed to arrive in the water industry well well before market deregulation in England and just slightly after deregulation in Scotland so it was a really interesting time to see how much people didn't uh, you know they're not aware of what the opportunities are in water and the, the really interesting thing as well I still see is the amount of people that, that tell me that they need to contact the water board and I'm like, the water board's not yeah, yeah. 20 odd years, at least, yeah. you know. There's a, there's a huge opportunity that's been missed, absolutely massive opportunity that's been missed. So, you know, Water Plus, we, we, we try not be the kind of company that's, you know, there's your bill, okay, there's some tap aerators or, or, or stuff that, that, that the rest of the industry has been doing. You know, we try and be as innovative as possible. You know, there'll be some stuff that comes out in the next kind of few weeks and, and months over some some really weird and wonderful things we're looking at. Before we go, we've got to talk about the cost of living crisis, which is affecting us all now, the pinch, and it's going to affect businesses massively, right? You've had warnings that the government may have to intervene because it could really tip a lot of businesses after the, you know, the crisis of the pandemic and they're trying to recover. And then you've had this Ukraine and now this, this massive crisis. What are you doing briefly to try and help? Because you're the retailer, you're at the end where the business is going, I can't afford my water bill, right? What help is Water Plus doing and how will you help navigate this time? Because obviously you've got to make money, you've got to survive, everyone's got costs going up, but your end customer is your end customer and they're feeling the pinch the most. Yeah, so I think the main thing that we we try and do is to make people more efficient with water, you know, because what sometimes that water bill can be high because that person has a leak on site. So we have to we try and make people more aware of make, making sure every drop you're using is, is what you should be using because there might have an underground leak there that's actually costing you three times, you know, that's why your bill is so high now. You know, ultimately, our main position is to try and 
help people be more efficient with water, you know, and support them and support the, the kind of knowledge around that. But what you're saying is you, you could help sort of audit their water use to try and... Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and all they need to do is reach out to us, you know. If, they, if they're struggling, then, you know, we might be able to give them the knowledge to, to, to ultimately turn that into an opportunity. You know, we might be able to look at certain parts around their site and it might not just be related to water. We might be able to audit our site and say, right, okay, have you actually considered X, Y, Z? You know, it's going to make you more efficient with energy. It's going to increase security. It's actually, we could be, you know, we could be looking at heat recovery from one system to heat the water as a preheat into another system, you know. So we can look at a much bigger picture. As I say, it isn't just about the water coming out your tap. We like to consider the full cycle there and we like to get customers to really consider that kind of bigger holistic view that we can have on water. Yeah. To end with, what's your message around carbon emissions, you know, and water? Think of it differently. Yeah, so the main kind of take-home messages for me is ultimately you need to understand your consumption. You need to know where you're using water and understand the, the energy inputs that you're putting into the water as well. I think what's important is to consider water as part of your, your net zero journey, not just as, as scope three as a kind of end when you're looking at supply chain and stuff, but bring it forward into your scope one and scope two considerations as well and scope three emissions altogether. And remember, it's precious. That's, I suppose, the thing we, we can't yeah. keep taking it for granted anymore. Absolutely. Barry, thanks so much for joining us on the Future Net Zero podcast today. My pleasure. Thanks very much for your time. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You have been listening to a promoted podcast from Future Net Zero. Thanks for listening to this Future Net Zero podcast. Please follow us on social media and subscribe to the website at www.futurenetzero.com.